0: Good evening, no matter where you search in the Bible, you will not find a step-by-step instruction on exactly how you are to worship. There's no agenda, no guidebook, nothing that says, first you do this, then you do this, then you do this. Every one of us have had jobs, or maybe still have jobs, that in a sense come with a checklist. You got to do this, and then this. Jimmy, I'm thinking about you and your job. I know there are things that you have to do, but until you get this done, you can't do that. And it might be that the second part of the job seems a lot easier, but you still got to get that first part done first. But we know throughout the Bible, we know throughout the Bible that
1: there are
0: instructions on worship and tasks that we do in worship. And one of those tasks is to sing. And so, when we think about singing, We think about that being one of the tasks that we are to do well then we have to think about what we sing all of you probably have one of these in front of you right now so what i want you to do right now is i want you to take out this book a song book if you only have a couple of them I know we don't use them as much now that we put things on the board, but if we have, if you only have a couple, you can share. It doesn't matter. But I want you to look, first of all, at the cover of this book. Now, the one that I use, (laughs) I've used it so much, all the gold is off of it. It's solid maroon, so you kind of need one of those uh, sheets of paper to scrape over it. But what does it say on the front of this book? songs of faith and praise. Alright? Now, I would imagine that if you went in any religious institution all the way down this street, the Presbyterian Church, the Methodist Church, the Christian Church, Baptist Church, they're all right down the street, all of them are, you would find something real similar in every book. And in fact, it might be the same book, but it would probably say something real similar to the front. Songs of faith and prayers. Now, the Bible gives us a definition of faith. You may know what the definition of faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay. Substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. In, by, in, in, in Christianity, faith is a requirement. Alright? Faith is a necessity. We sing a song that says faith is the victory, right? But Faith is something that you kind of have to have and develop. You're not necessarily born with it, right? But let's talk about the second word, praise. What does it mean to praise? And I'm not necessarily asking a religious question right now. What does it mean to praise? It could be. It doesn't have to be seen. You do want to sometimes using the word seen or praising. Oh, okay, hold on. Mom? Okay. Hear adulation is something. something. Knowledge of the Did you say something in here? Did I hear something? Um, uplifting. Uplifting. Okay? One of the things that we, all, we want to do as a teacher is when a kid does something good, you want to praise them. You did really well on that assignment. Well, hopefully that encourages that child. So if I give praise to you for something that you've done, hopefully that would encourage you. So let's think about praise then in the religious sense. How do we use the word praise within the church?
1: Sure. We acknowledge God as who He is, as our creator and sustainer, and we lend our adulation toward Him. There you go. So, so if we want to take those definitions that we got a moment ago,
0: and it's directing it toward God, okay? Now, I want you to forget the song for just a second. We're going to be with it and give me like one minute. I want you to think about a song that you would hear on the radio. It could be your favorite song you've ever heard. Just any kind of song that you hear on the radio. Now, if you hear a song on the radio, one of these songs is going to be about I mean, yeah, I'm asking for Most times, though, they're
1: about a girlfriend and a boyfriend. Alone.
0: Yeah, alright. Yeah, there's been a song for two written about girls or boys, right? Alright, what else do people sing songs about? Sometimes
1: sadness Sad. Sad. Yeah,
0: yeah, sadness. Trains. David Train, have a song, right? <laughs> they sing, don't do this country song, do anything about trains or mama or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> you can have My point is here, you can have a song about anything. Right. Okay? But songs are written. Now, I want you to open this book up. And you can do this one of two ways. You can either turn to your favorite song, up near the front, Ella. Or you can just (laughs) open it up to wherever it turns to. Alright? You just pop it open. Now, either way is fine. Alright? So. No matter where you open your songbook up to, there's a song on one of the two pages, or it may overlap. Now, each one of those songs will have a title. You see a title on your song there. Okay. Do what? I stand. I thought I thought you might be on one forty-seven. I couldn't. I wouldn't. I, I, I felt like I would make money if I had bet on you turning to that one before there's a the title line, right? And then you see some music notes on there, correct? What are those music notes for? You. Keep
1: everybody
0: doing. Keep it in tune. And that's how you're supposed to sing. And all of us know how to read them music notes, right? It's perfect. Just you put a note in front of me, and I can do me five all day long, right? Now, below the notes, you'll see words, right? Those are words that we're going to sing. And so whatever the song might be, you sing those words, but every one of those songs in here are songs that in some way would be praising God. Oh. So that song that I asked you about that you've heard on the radio, you're probably going to see that one in here, right? Because that's not that song's purpose. But there may be songs you hear on the radio that are here, but there are songs that are in here. Those words are words of... Faith and praise. Now I want you to at the bottom of the song, wherever the bottom is. Because now at the very bottom of the song, it's going to tell you something about who wrote it. Probably who wrote the words, and maybe who wrote the music if they're two different people. And it's going to give you a date as well. Most of them. Some of them don't have a date, but almost all of them have a date on it. Now here's what I want you to think about. Whatever song you are looking at, whatever date that says, let's just say it says 1894. Prior to 1894, that song didn't exist. So songs are developed over time. So prior to that date, whatever it is that's in your book, that song didn't exist. Now think about that for a second. Songs that you could probably sing without this book. You could throw this book in the trash, and there's probably a third of these songs you could sing without ever even needing the book. You already know the words that well. At some point, that didn't exist. You can turn back in here, and some of these songs go back to the 1600s, 1700s. I don't think there's anything much beyond that. See, well, Mighty Fortress by. Uh, with uh, Martin Luther, they made four, late 14, 1480 or something like that. Maybe I can't even
1: remember. Point being is these
0: songs all were written much, much later than the time that Jesus was on earth. So the question I have for you, and we took a long way to get there, if we have a songbook full of songs that existed. Long after Christ was on earth, but we have a Bible that tells us that we're supposed to sing, what did people back then sing? Psalms. Anybody want to guess? Psalms. (laughs) So what we're going to look at tonight is that Psalms, and we're going to kind of get into Psalms a little bit, but we're going to think about Psalms as a worship activity. All right, Psalms is the nineteenth book of the Old Testament. I told you you can look at your uh, uh, songbook if you have a Bible. If you open the Bible up as perfectly down the middle as you can, you're going to be in Psalms. My Bible has one thousand one hundred and twenty-three pages. If you split that in half, that's something like page five sixty-one in my Bible, which is Psalm one twenty-three. <laughs> It's right in the dead middle of your Bible. I would say more people have opened their Bible to Psalms than any other book in the Bible. Because when the preacher says, take out your Bibles, people, take them out open it right there. Literally. And then he says, turn to Colossians or turn to Samuel. Then you've got to fight your way back and forth. Psalms is the 19th book of the Old Testament. As you can see here, The author is described as being many. David writes the majority of the Psalms, but not all of the Psalms. But this note is really important. Psalms is written for all eras to enjoy and is meant to be timeless. Now, we're not going to open up the book of Psalms and read those in a singing voice tonight. I don't know how those songs were sung. I don't, I, I don't speak Hebrew. I don't know how they, the tunes went. But there's songs in your Bible, in your songbook, that are word-for-word word adaptations of songs that they would have sung back then. Now, half of them were written by King David, or over half of them were written. Some of these verses you're familiar with, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Psalm 23. And there's a couple important points. You've got that information, but I want to go ahead to what we're going to look at. We're going to look at four things tonight. First of all, I want us to think about what are the Psalms? Okay? What are the Psalms? So the Hebrews... The Hebrew word for this, and I, again, I probably, I'm probably not going to pronounce it the way it's supposed to, but it starts with a T there, Tehillah, okay? But it means what? Praises. praises. Let's get that back out again. What's the songbook book say? Songs of faith and what? Praises. And praise. Songs of faith and praise. And so when you read that the psalms were praises, that gives you an idea before you even go into it what it's going to be. Now, if you go a little further, Psalms are expressions of adoration and reverence for God. What does it mean to adore something? Love it. Love it. I don't even know if love is even the, the, the right word, right? It's even more than that, to adore something. It, it could, it, it's just that it, it, you can't describe the word adoration. But it's expressions of adoration and reverence for God. And so it's love, but then reverence means what? All. Huh? All? Okay. If you revere, if you have reverence, you're just, you're just, it's almost overwhelming what it is. So you're saying it's love and being sort of overwhelmed by what God is. All right. Psalms are appeals to God to answer prayers. Now, we pray, but we have this notion that prayer is always, okay, well i got to do, do this, right? And then i got to do this. I, I gotta, I gotta, but there are prayers that are in Psalms, right? There are prayers that are in Psalms. In Psalms, which I will probably stagger over the two words here, do the same thing. Psalms are songs about most all of man's life experiences. David is the prominent writer in the book of Psalms. And David lived a life full of things that you could write about. David was described as being a what compared to God? A man after God's own heart. So that means David is good, right? But now, is there any spot... In the Bible where David's not real good There are Okay So David is really good But sometimes he's not What was David's job He was the king So David had power But David went through hard times as well Do you remember what happened With the son of David and Bathsheba Uh So the point being here Psalms are songs about Most all of our life experiences well, how many of us have had good times? Bad times. Success? Failure? So it's almost as if the book of Psalms is something that's relatable for us. What do you like best about Psalms? What do you think about it for a second? You may not have been planning for it, but think about it for a second. What do you like best about Psalms? Well, a lot of comforting. Sure, they're comforting. Uplifting. They bring joy to you. They they do. They praise God. They praise God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else? Any number of reasons why we would perhaps like Psalms.
1: Sure. and Samuel and even into the new like it's hard to relate and put yourself there you can absolutely see
0: yourself in the songs yeah. I and mean, the songs relate to how you live right now I think and mean, they're written to me they're sort of like written to God yes Yes. in fact that's, I think that's a note that I made uh, here, in a, here in a few moments it's the only book that's sort of reversed it's written to God rather than you know, God inspiring this to be, you know, sent to you. But Mary, I think you're right. I mean, there's a lot of history in the Bible that's sort of like, well, that just happened a long time ago. And there's a lot of stories of, you know, miracles or something like that. It's kind of hard to wrap our heads around. But I think that the Psalms is a good example of something that, in a sense, exists, and we can relate to it as well. All right. Now, the second thing, let's think about the inspiration of Psalms. And we're going to look at four different verses within the Bible of uh, inspiration of Psalms. I hope it shows up well. But there are four different verses. They're going to pop up here on the right-hand side. So if, if I ask you, I would appreciate it if you would uh, uh, would read for it. But first of all, these are David's last words. And you can find this in 2 Samuel 23. And these are verses one 1- through three. Alright. One through three. Um, Jill, do you wanna read it? These are these are pronounceable words, Jill. We will and then like last week, so So these last couple of things are what David is saying right here. But he says, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. So this is David saying, in a sense, nothing that I said was my own, right? That I was speaking, God was speaking through me. And he says, he who rules over men must be what? What? Must be just ruling in what? So, you know, we'll we'll get to this in a couple of weeks when we talk about Ecclesiastes, when Solomon sort of finally figures it all out at the end. Which I okay, that's probably my favorite verses in the Bible. But you you were here Sunday. I've already told you wrong because I said Sunday was my favorite thing. So, but this is David sort of recognizing it at the end as well, right? When he says, he who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. This is David, in a sense, recognizing the importance of it. Now, why is this important? Well, Daniel, this is in 2 Samuel. That's not what we're talking about. Who was the primary writer of the Psalms? David. David. And you can see in the Psalms, David sort of working it out. Struggles that he had, successes that he had, they appear there within those Psalms. Now, Matthew chapter 22, verses 43 through 45. Actually, it's probably better if we add a couple of other verses before that. So I am going to start with verse 41, and then we'll pick up 43 through 45. This is Matthew 22, verses 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them. Now remember, the Pharisees were Jews. Who were the Pharisees within the Jewish faith? They're the strictest sect. We talked about on Sunday how Paul was, he said, not only was he a Jew, he was a Pharisee, the strictest of that. And so the Pharisees are gathered together. And in many times in the Bible, we see the Pharisees ask Jesus questions. But this is Jesus asking them a question. Jesus said, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking right here. How then does David in the spirit call him Lord saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. There's probably no group of people that were better equipped to answer tough questions about the scriptures than the Pharisees. But this is the question that is asked. He says, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord? Jesus is talking, in a sense, about himself right here. But what he's saying is that Jesus was God's son. And when it was over, who would sit at the right hand of God? And that's a conflict for the Jewish people because who was the greatest Jewish man? David. David. And so the Pharisees would have answered that by saying, well, David. But Jesus said, David is calling me Lord. Put the, you can write David wherever you want on the list but Jesus would be on. And that's unfathomable
1: to these people. that knew what kings were.
0: Yes. Kings do not acknowledge other people. They absolutely. 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 Let's go one for one further. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, this is Jesus explaining the scriptures. Do you care to read this one?
1: Being said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets
0: and the Psalms concerning me. So he said, this is Jesus making reference to things that had been written in the past. He said all things must be fulfilled. We talked about this some on Sunday when Paul said, I'm convinced that none of of these things were done in a corner. The book of Psalms has existed for the entirety of the life of everybody that Jesus was talking to right now. There's no, what's this book of Psalms? The book of Psalms, they, they would have been as well versed in Psalms, as be anything other than probably Genesis and Exodus a little bit, the, the first five. And he says, as we can see right there, I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law. That's the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. That were written in the prophets. That's Isaiah, that's uh, Jeremiah, that's Daniel, that's Ezekiel. And that were written in the Psalms concerning me. Now, that tells me that there are things in the Psalms about Jesus. Interesting, right? That's almost like foreshadowing. You're talking about a character that does not exist, at least in the world at the time. But Jesus said, that's all he's talking about. He was there from the beginning, right? And it's another just way I all things must be fulfilled Yes. It's, it's the way you go it seems so like people have so much trouble with taking parts of the Old Testament and observing it and, and, it's, just so yes. and it's just so plain she used the word fulfilled so you kind of took my last one which is fulfillment of scriptures you can see it in Acts chapter 1 verses 16 and then in verse 20 mom do you want to read that one So we see a reference here to things that were written. That's the 69th Psalm and the 109th Psalm that you can find that. So not only is Jesus saying, I was referenced in the Psalms, but then he quotes those same references right there. And he says that David was who said this. King David, who we just talked about, the primary writer of the Psalms. Okay. So. We can agree then that there is an inspired nature to the Psalms. Okay, let's go to the third. One. The third thing is the purpose of Psalms. We're going to get into some of them here in just a second. But I want to go through just a couple of things. Uh, and this kind of gets into what we were going to look at. It doesn't show up perfectly here. I'd go a little smaller. But the Psalms were first used by the Jewish people as a hymnal for temple and synagogue worship. So, this is what your songbook looks like. I don't know what the Jewish temple hymnal looked like. But the Jewish temple hymnal, the people from Old Testament times were singing out of what we would call the book of Psalms. I don't know what they sound like. I, have re- I heard something one time. Uh, there, there was some, I can't remember, it was there, it was in Mesopotamia somewhere, but it was a, it was rough music notes that they were able to sort of decipher It's considered the oldest song in the world. It's not, it's not a song, it's not like the oldest melody of what, I have no idea how they figured that out. <laughs> There's people a lot smarter than I am in the world. But these songs were sung by the people when they went to the temple. So when we go to church, quote unquote, we'll use that term today, they were doing the same thing then. Yes. I read too, and I know that it's you know, writing was just, we didn't really, 15, 16, 100, most of us couldn't read writing. Somebody would stand up front and sing a lot. Sure. You would sing Absolutely. I'd say that's probably the case. A little call and response. You still see that. Uh, And especially some like old regular Baptist type churches that still use that same kind of thing where a person sings a lot of places in in rural Appalachia. Used by first century Christians. This is a verse that you've probably all heard before. Ephesians chapter five, verse 19 says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart to the Lord. Here's the thing. When this was written, who wrote Ephesians? When Paul wrote this, this didn't exist. Okay? This didn't exist. But what existed were psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, we use that all the time. We always say, well, that's why we sing in church. Well, that's fine, but let's break that down just a little bit. Speaking to each other in psalms, in hymns, and in spiritual songs. I think psalms there is the halfway middle point of what my Bible is I think hymns are whatever the first century version of what you just turned to a minute ago was specific songs written about specific religious things I just turned to Wonderful is My Redeemer I don't know that song but I can read the title and I feel like I know what it's about right this is probably a song in praise of Jesus. I'm turn it up in here. All right, let's see. Standing on the promises. We probably all know that one I bet you know that song, don't you? Standing on the promises. What's the promise? Eternal life. Eternal life. So I'm going to stand on that promise. Okay, that's a song that was written in 1886. All right, well, then let's think about spiritual songs. In the very back of your, uh, of your songbook are a bunch of spiritual songs. They're titled spirituals. A lot of these are songs that were sung by slaves when they were working in the American South. They weren't written down. They were just things that people knew. I feel like there were spirituals for people that lived at that time as well. So when Paul says, speaking to each other in, what do we see there? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He's talking about the same kind of singing that we do today. Because we speak to each other in Psalms. We just said some of these are quoted in our psalm book. We speak to each other in hymns, things that people in 1886 wrote down and said this was something good that will make you think about God. And we speak to each other in spiritual psalms, things that have emerged from our culture about God, about Jesus, about religion. Questions? Questions? Romans 15, 3, and 4, is Paul writing again, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have both. You might say, well, Daniel, I, I, what, does, what does that verse mean? Well, not everything in Psalms has to be a la la-la-la-la song. All right? We can read the Psalms for our learning as well. So the 23rd Psalm says, right? The Lord is my shepherd. What? Shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, right? He anointeth my head with oil. Those verses are there to comfort. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, I, I don't really that. My life is veering out of whack. All, I don't know what's going on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Are there things in Psalms that are written that can be helpful to us? Of course. And the best thing about the book of Psalms is there's about 160 of them, so you can find something that works for just about everything. 150, I'm sorry. Now, here's why we know the book of Psalms is important. There are 283 direct quotations in the New Testament that come from the Old Testament. In your Bible, they're usually written in italics and it's kind of squeezed in. And there'll be a little note that says you can find this in 2 Kings or in uh, Micah or whatever it might be. 116 of those are from Psalms, about 40%. Close to half of all the things that New Testament people quoted the Old Testament came from the book of Psalms. It's a lot. It's a lot. It tells us a few things. One, it's important. But two, they read it. They studied it. They knew what they were quoting they were very from. Well done. Absolutely. People, they of course were they were well done. Good. But you say, well, how in the world did people know that? Flip through this songbook tonight. How many of these songs can you sing without a song leader, without uh, playing it over YouTube, without even having a book? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Joe, you, know you think you can sing "Amazing Grace" without the book? You don't have to sing it for us. I don't mean I'm putting you on the putting you on the spot here. But there, there are, there are. How many of you sing church songs when you're mowing? You ever get that? You're, I sure hope you're not mowing and reading the book like this. That'd be awful, right? You don't have to because you know the songs. The Jewish people knew the Psalms there as well. All right, let's go. One last bit of stuff here for us. We're going to look into songs. Yes, sir. To know
1: the songs, you don't have to know every word, word for word. No. Uh, lots of
0: times, the gist of it, you know. <laughs> like a, a
1: contemporary song. Sure. She loves it. That's
0: all to do with it. the Beatles got three and she loves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, they said it a hundred times, but that was a good song. A song. Right. 10 million
1: copies. Time uh, to thank God. Please.
0: Excuse me, you're exactly right. So we're going to, to finish up here, I want us to look at a handful of verses, and I, I hope you can see them up here. But these are ways that psalms can elevate our level of worship. Because I think we've spent most of our time tonight sort of talking about worship. First is holiness in worship. What is the root word of holiness? Holy. holy. Very good. What's that, what's that? Something's holy. What does that mean? Don't mean has holes in it. We're not talking about, you know, shirts that are brought out. I don't mean that. If something's holy. What does that mean? Thanks to
1: God. Thanks to God.
0: Do we need holiness in worship? Absolutely. Okay. So, well, you know, you say that, but can I find that in the Bible? Well, listen us look. Right. Jimmy, you want to read that first one? Psalm twenty-nine two,
1: sir? Give unto the Lord the glory
0: due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Alright, so let's think about that. Given to the Lord the glory. What did Jimmy say right there? Due to, to his name. So if we're gonna worship in holiness, we're doing that because it is due the Lord, right? There are things that are you know, I have assignments that my students have, and they say, When's this due, Mr. Hopkins? Well, what they're asking is, how long can I wait until I have to do it? But something that's due has to be turned in. The water bill is due, right? The electric bill is due. Well, it sure reads to me that holiness is due in worship. Second, Psalm 96, 7 through 9. Does you want to read that one? Give
1: to the Lord, O families of the people, Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory
0: of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Or worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. So we see a second verse, and I'm sorry it doesn't show up real clear. And I apologize. Can't see that. No, it's 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 my fault. Will and I, I was getting these things ready yesterday, and I had Will, but looking on the computer, it's easier to see than sometimes it. Uh, projects up here, but we see a similar type of thing as the first verse right there.
1: Second, then I think that we uh, should say that when you worship God, it has to be individual. Uh, you can you cannot worship God. I cannot worship God for you. You cannot for me. It, it should not be done in a flippant or a non-caring attitude, or uh, I'm doing this because I have to. Because if you do those, it, that makes it unholy. And when it unholy, it's unacceptable to God. And so I think sometimes we, we can fail that in that regard. We can say, well, I'm not a good singer. I'm not going to sing. But these other people are all good singers. So let them sing for me. They can't sing for me. You should sing the very best you can. You should worship God and acknowledge who He is the very best that you
0: can. And I think the Bible makes it. Kind of the second point there. But that's fine. Wholeness of heart. In worship, you know, well said, ditto, uh, you know, what we saw, uh, what we can see right there. Uh, I can read these it if it's not easy for you, but Psalm 86, 12, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all of my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. Now, wholeness of wholeness sounds a whole lot like holiness, right? It's that's, that's not a homonym, but it's pretty close to it. But wholeness, that means fullness, right? It means all of it, not part of it. Have you ever done something halfway? Everybody in the history of the world has, right? How many of us have ever done something to get it done? We all have, right? I just want to get this over with. I'm thinking about literally every household chore that exists, right? I want to get this over with. That would be halfness of heart, right? Well, have we ever done church just to get it done? I don't want to answer that question, but it has been, right? Still preaching. Still preaching. Still preaching. <laughs> We've all done it, right? We have, to be honest, we have. Okay, well. Long, long-winded. Those kind Christian terms. Long-winded. I have a lot to say this morning. You know, that kind of thing. But with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. Think about that quote, that verse right there for just a second. Because we teach all about heaven. And we say that heaven and hell last for how long? Eternity is a pretty big one. You know, sometimes when I find myself still preaching. You know i'm hurry I want to hurry up and get done Something to think about Psalm one eleven verse one praise the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. I don't know that this entirely means this, but I want to say it. I think we can praise the Lord best when we are in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. I just firmly believe that. I don't believe that you can... Let me rephrase that. I absolutely believe that you can praise the Lord by yourself, where you are, in a bad situation, at the hospital, on the top of a mountain, in a boat, in the middle of the sea. I believe you can do all of that. But I firmly believe that you can best do it with fellow Christians. I think we see that right there. Thirdly, we've got four more. Joyfulness in worship. There's a difference in worshiping and worshiping joyfully, right? Now, all of us can be real honest with this. There are things in our life that we've done that we took no joy in doing, right? That's just part of it. But sometimes that creeps into church as well. Psalm 95, verses 1 and 2 says, "Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with what? The Psalms, right there. So let us shout joyfully. Guys, I've heard some of y'all saying, y'all do shout joyfully. I I, I agree with that statement, right? What does it mean to shout joyfully? Like, Like yell, like when you're excited. Excited. You are excited. All of us have experienced excitement in our life, Right? I told you on Sunday about being really sad, about a missed shot. But I've also been really excited at making shots. i can tell you this story real quick, too. This was in about 1998. UK at Mississippi State on a Tuesday night, 9 o'clock game. I'm in high school, so I probably should have been in the bed, but I was not. Dad was in the bed because he got up at 2.30. Mom was in the bed because she got up early I also didn't care and I'm, I'm working tests well. She wasn't naked. All right? <laughs> Less than a second left, they throw it in a boy. Eric Daniels catches it, tosses it in real quick, naked. And I had to do this. <laughs> I couldn't say anything because what I wanted to do was shout joyfully at which point they would have been very, they would have been upset with it. And Jess would have looked at me like that's crazy. That's what I was crazy, like she always anyway. But I wanted to shout joy. I was excited. I remember this 23, 25 years ago. I remember that really well. When we come to church, when it's time to worship, should there be joyfulness in what we come to? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that I do cartwheels, though. I don't mean that. All things should be done in decency and order. I get that. But we should be excited in what we're doing, What we're going to say, what we're going to do. I thought of that very thing while we were singing that first song. Uh, oh, they tell me on the phone. Right. I mean, we're shouting joy while we're singing that song. And it, it, sounded, it
1: to me, it sounded really good. And I prayed that it sounded good to
0: the Lord. Psalm 100, verses 1 and 2. Make a joyful shout, shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. I feel like the psalms in particular make it a special point to say there's a whole lot of singing that happened in the old, old church. I feel like sometimes the church gets away from that. Is singing important? I think so. I think so, and I think we see it in the Old Testament. Thankfulness. Are we thankful when we come to church? Well, what would we need to be thankful for? That you're able to go. go. There are people that can't go that would love to. What else should we come before the church thankful for? That come to worship thankful for?
1: That Jesus
0: Christ died for us. Okay, so we're thankful for the reason that we're coming. Why else should we be thankful Yes, people that are here with us. I'm thankful to get to see. You. I live in a place that does not allow me to see you all more than twice a week. I don't, we don't run into each other. We don't go maybe to the same store. You live in different places, but I'm thankful to see you over here. Psalm 69:30. we quoted it a minute ago. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. 92, one, it is good to give thanks to the Lord And to sing praises to your name, O Most High. And the last one, row 7, 1 and 2. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed that should be from the hand of the enemy. And the last one is what we should be most thankful for. Mercy of the Lord endures forever. Because if it didn't, what hope would there be for us? Because he has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. Who's the enemy there? Satan. Satan. We mentioned this word a minute ago. We'll get through these next two here and we'll be finished. Reverence in worship. Psalm 5, 7. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. I fe- in fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. That's Psalm 5, 7. Now, I see that word fear, and we sometimes think about the word of fear as being scared to death. But is there a fear that we can associate with reverence? We can be reverential to somebody. It's almost like, you know, I, I'm just, I'm in a sense, amazed by who you are. I'm almost nervous. You sometimes see this with people when they meet a celebrity or something like that. You know, it's like, uh, 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 Oh, uh, I wish I could have said this or this, but uh, you know. Well, I don't know if we should be all celebrities, but it is pretty cool if you see somebody that you see on TV or in a movie. You're like, hey, there's that, that, that guy, you know, that girl. That's pretty neat. Well, reverence and worship should be the same way. It shouldn't be. Well, you come in, plop down, brought my feet up, you know. You know, we'll get through this. We'll knock it out. And, you know, that's not reverence. Sometimes I feel like. Religion has lost some of that reverence. Hmm. nine seven. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. And to be held in reverence by all those around him. All. I don't know that that's always the case either. Last one. If it's holiness, wholeness, joyfulness, thankfulness, reverence. The last one. Is continuous. Psalm 34 verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Think about that for a second. How many of us do Psalm 34 1? I'll speak for me. No. I would try to. I would hope to. But I don't know that I do. Right? But this is the writer of the psalm here saying this is what's most important. You know, sometimes I'm talking about other things. Sometimes my mouth is full of other things, right? We'll talk about this or that and not maybe something else. Last one. Psalm 104, verse 33. I will sing to the Lord. What's it say there? As long as I live, I will sing praise to my God while what? So I think that's a good one for us to finish with. As we've talked tonight about the Psalms and the book of Psalms, but we've talked about the importance of them in worship. And so I think our continuous praise beyond in worship sums up right there. When should our worshiping stop? As long as we live, right? As long as we live. So as long as I live, as the last part says, as long, while I have my being." I, and I, I find that an interesting point because I feel like that sort of took care of people who maybe couldn't be here, right? You know, while I have my being, because they're like we said, people that would love to be, but they don't have the—they don't have the ability. They, they mentally or physically, they just can't. Be with us anymore. But while we're here, while we have our ability, then, then I think we would want to uh, sing those continuous phrases. So, questions? I think sometimes man has misused terms, and one of those terms is reverent, and one of them is just, you know, his holiness
1: or something like that. Uh, we certainly want our preachers or teachers to be reverent, we want them to be holy. But we in turn, should d- desire and demand of ourselves to be reverent and be holy. Not and it's not a title. It is a it's a it's a mindset that I'm going to be holy because I'm in the presence of God. I worship God. You Jesus said we must worship God, Spirit, perpetuate the owner, step for So When so you come to the assembly, you need to come in a reverential and holy manner because you have to understand you're worshiping God the creator of the universe. That's pretty, pretty awesome, pretty inspiring, as it should be. And if we come to it with this, well, like I said, quite a flip flippant attitude or just don't mean that much, then it will, it will prove to be unacceptable. And it will not do, you. I mean,
0: sure. will not do you a you. Sure. Other thoughts on Psalms?